Thanks for tuning in to Good Vibrations with Kristen, where humanness meets spirituality. Are you ready to be inspired? Do you want to have a greater connection to the earth, each other, and ultimately yourself? Join in the conversation with Kristen Ace and her fascinating guests to share the light, laughter, and the illumination of Good Vibrations. everybody it's good vibrations with Kristen and I have been pondering the inner voice well mostly because it talks to me all the time and I thought you know um, we all have an inner voice we all do that's that's really important to know it's it's not uh, something special to the Dalai Lama or anybody who's highly spiritual it's everybody but I think that People don't realize that their inner voice is constantly talking to them, and you can't hear that message if you're not listening. And the higher voice is like an overview. It, it, it looks at your life from a completely different perspective because it sees the big picture. It's your highest self. It doesn't come to you through an ego desire <clears throat> or anything actually revolving around ego. It comes to you with a higher perspective. It comes to you because it desires for you um, happy, joyous, and free. It, it desires for you, to, for you to know your divinity. So I was thinking about that. <clears throat> and, you know, for me, my higher self, um, it's much more subtle now for me. But when I first started waking up to... Well, I would say reawakening because when I was little, I received messages all the time. I didn't know that there was a name for it or that it was my higher self, but I did receive messages, dreams, visions, premonitory thoughts, places to move, go, do. Um, I just thought that was just part of life. <clears throat> so one time I was walking down the street, I was in fourth grade, and I lived in a teeny, 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 teeny town in upstate New York. So we walked everywhere, and everybody in the town knew each other, and there were always different people watching out for the gang of kids running here and there and everywhere. And I was on my own walking home from a friend's house, fourth grade, and a guy pulled up in his car, and he said, hey, hey, I've got some candy. Do you want some candy? And you know how you hear about that as an adult and you think, does that really happen? Okay, guys, it really does happen. So I looked in his eyes and there was something inside of me, not me going, run away, run away, run away, run away, run away, run away. So I ran away, right? Because I, I, I could feel it almost like moving my body for me. Now, <clears throat> later in life, I had some very traumatic experiences and some very brutal experiences, and that's for a different podcast, but I basically went to sleep because I was on overload and I needed to move into simply surviving. And surviving meant for me at that time, shutting it all down because I couldn't take the stimulus that was coming at me on a physical level and process the, the information and the stimulus coming from a higher level. I just couldn't do both. So I shut down and went to sleep with um, drugs and alcohol and, and um, mind-numbing behaviors. And then in my 20s, found myself in Chicago and waking up. Different reasons, different things plopped in my way. And I was waking up and I was 
starting to hear that voice in a very profound way again for the first time since I was little. So for any of you who know me, you know that I suck at directions. I have literally, to say that I am directionally challenged is being kind. I, I'm not good at it, particularly when I am thinking of other things or focused on other things, which is basically all the time. So I <laughs> never really know where I am. So here I am in Chicago and I'm on my way to my first day of a, of a class at the comedy school, Second City. Now, for anybody who doesn't know what Second City is, it is where the famous people from Saturday Night Live come from. John Belushi, Gildner Radner, all of those people from, from Saturday Night Live came out of Second City. So I was so excited. And obviously, when I got off my subway, um, thinking of other things other than directions. So I get off and I get to the end of the street and I know from talking to the guy on the telephone on how to get there that I have to go north. <laughs> I have no idea what north is. No. So I look one way and then I look another way and I go, oh, that looks like north. That's good. I'm going to go north. And I'm walking and walking and walking and walking and, you know, I'm in my head going, la, 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 and this is what I'm going to do in this class, blah, blah, blah. And I'm realizing that that bustling, busy, happy city is gone. I kind of look up out of my days and go, oh, it's quiet. It's really, really quiet. And there are no people on the streets because it's deserted. There are little patches of dead weeds and dirt where there's supposed to be grass, but there was no grass anywhere. There were no trees. There were chain link fences that are locked, but there was nothing inside of them, just dead ground space. Like there were, in one of them, there was what probably should have been a basketball hoop, but it was really just an angled pole kind of cut in half. And I'm going, hmm, I wonder what happened while I was in my Kristen head. And then I see a whole bunch of people over a little further away from me. And I'm like, oh, people. <laughs> so I walk up to them and I'm like, oh, hi. Hi, excuse me. I'm just looking for, and they're backing away from me and looking at me almost as if I was an alien. So I thought, oh my God, I think they're afraid of something. I better go tell them that everything's okay. <laughs> Because that's my train of thought. And I'm following after them going, excuse me, it's okay. I'm just lost. And I'm just, excuse. And then I see another group of people who are doing the same thing. They're kind of backing away and looking at me like afraid. I'm thinking, oh, it's okay. It's okay. Really, it's. And all of a sudden, I'm about to ask another person. And this huge, booming voice literally shakes my body from the inside and says, Turn around and run. I am telling you that at that moment, I had no control over my body. I was literally turned like a puppet and found myself running in the exact opposite direction that I came. Run, 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 run. <sighs> Breathing, not knowing why I was doing it. But the voice was so profound and so 
powerful and so clear that there really was no other choice. Now, of course, we do have choices, but there was something else that was kicking in at that time for me. So I ran and I ran and I ran and I ran and I ran, and then I started seeing trees, and then I started seeing grass, and I started seeing flowers and birds and people and all kinds of things, and like civilization came back. I run until I can't run anymore because I'm now at an intersection. And I look to my right and I go, maybe that's north. And I look to my left and there is a sign for Second City. And I go, oh, there's my class. Off I go to class. La, 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 having a good time in my class. (sighs) Finish class, all excited, back in my Kristen head, thinking about my class. Get home to my apartment and I say, Hey, to my roommate, the weirdest thing happened to me today. So I tell her the whole story, and she turns white. And she goes, Kristen, man, you were in Cabrini Green. And I was like, okay, what's Cabrini Green? It's only the most dangerous housing project in the United States. Man, Kristen, don't do that, man. People die there every day. Oh. I had no idea that that voice was there to save me and guide me out of danger until way after it did. And... Obviously, this is not the first time I've received that guidance because of before when I was little, but it was the first time it was that loud. (laughs) Oh my God. So it was there, right? Just moving me out of danger. And really that voice was actually something similar to that that happened to me that got me to Chicago in the first place. It wasn't a voice per se, but it was a dream. So I had finished college with my theater degree. And I'm like, okay, now I'm going to go out into the world and be an actress, whatever that means. And (laughs) I had no idea actually how to go about doing that. So while I was trying to figure it out, I was at home living with my parents, working two jobs and thinking, hmm, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? And I had this really weird dream. And in the dream, I was happy. And I'm talking about the kind of happy that I had not felt since I was really little, like kindergarten. You know, that free happy, that I love to be me happy? Well, that's what my dream was like. I had my own apartment. I was acting. I was hanging out with really cool people. Now, I've never met any of these people, but in the dream, they were so cool. And the weird part about all of that dream is that it was happening in Chicago. First of all, at this point in my life, I don't even know what Chicago is. Seriously. I'm pretty sure that it's some kind of place in the country, but where it is, I don't know. And I don't know anybody who lives in Chicago, and I only know somebody who lived there for a little while. So, but I knew though, I'm going to tell you that when I woke up from that dream, it was clear to me that Chicago was where I had to go. So (laughs) I called my girlfriend who I went to college with. And I said, you know, I'm thinking of moving to Chicago. And she said, Oh, hey, listen, I've got a friend. And she said, "Uh, let me do some calls. So Jean, my friend who took theater administration called her friend who knew this guy from Shakespeare on Avalon in Chicago, who said I could stay in his walk-in closet. So I was like, Oh, 
I am. That's great. I call this guy and I say, hey, my friend Gene says that I can stay in your walk-in closet. And he's like, yeah, come on. I'll meet you at the airport. So I get on an airplane with my little trunk of clothes, my teddy bear, because at that time in my life, so I was 21, I was still sleeping with a teddy bear. (laughs) I got my little bit of money in my pocket and my parents drove me to the airport and said, bye. Have a good time in Chicago. And I flew off to Chicago knowing only that I was going to meet some guy in an airport with a Shakespeare cap on that said Shakespeare in green letters. That's all I knew. And off to Chicago I went because of that dream. And I'm telling you that Chicago was probably, for me at that time, the best place I'd ever lived in my life. That is where I began my spiritual awakening. It's where I began to explore my psychic gifts. It's where I met one of my closest friends in the world to this day. It's where I started some therapy and got some help with some of the brutalities of my past. So for me, Chicago was a place of awakening. And I couldn't have known all the things that were coming my way except for that dream. And on top of that, that dream came true. I did find myself hanging out with the coolest people who went to psychics and astrologers and talked about the metaphysical and who really like loved me just for me. They never said, Oh, Kristen, you're too emotional. Oh, Kristen, you're too dramatic. Oh, Kristen, you're No, they were like, wow, you're great. Come and hang out with us. Come to go see this person with us. Come to this seminar with us. Go to this audition with us. Come to this. That's how I found out about Second City. Somebody said, hey, you've got to go to Second City. You're really funny. So that for me was like a new lease on life. I actually never thought that I would leave there. But then while I was there, (laughs) about six and a half years into my um, glorious life. I had a dream that I needed to move to Boston. Okay. You guys, I just want you to know that I don't really love Massachusetts. <laughs> it's not my favorite place to be. And it's where, um, all the brutalities that I experienced happened. And I thought, I don't want to move to Boston. Why would I move to Boston? Cause first of all, anyone I know in theater is either in Chicago or New York city. There's nobody I know in Boston, but Because I understand that my higher self is talking to me through my dreams, I trust that. And I go, okay, I'm going to go. But here's the thing about living in Boston. It was way harder than living in Chicago. The apartments in Boston were the size of my bathroom in Chicago, and they were three times more expensive. I worked in Chicago at a very elite restaurant and made a lot of money. But in Boston, I could not get hired at McDonald's. The hardest part for me, however, were the people. Because in Chicago, if you bumped into someone by accident and you said, oh, excuse me, I'm sorry, I you know, lost my footing, they would be like, hey, oh my God. And before you knew it, you were invited to their fam- family Sunday dinner. I had friends everywhere, all over the city that I was just meeting and, and meeting their families and going out to dinner with who I bumped into on the street. But in Boston, when I said hi to somebody who I'd seen on the subway more than once, hi, hi, they ran away from me. Like I was like, had an infectious disease. Oh God. So I spent one long, lonely year wandering around Boston with my fabulous directional sense, 
finally decided, okay, whatever this dream wanted me to do, I don't think it's going to happen here. And I started plotting my course to New York City, which, you know, made a lot of sense to me. So I'm plotting away. I'm planning my way to get out. I'm planning how to get an apartment. I start making my calls to the people I know. And the weirdest thing happened. Okay. First of all, you have to know that because I couldn't find a restaurant job, which I was, you know, very comfortable working in that environment, I ended up getting a job at the Japanese consulate. Now, I don't speak any Japanese and I don't understand any Japanese, (laughs) but I somehow fell into a job at a Japanese restaurant, which again, don't know how I ended up, they ended up hiring me there. And through that job, I met a woman who was leaving her job as a receptionist at the consulate and really liked me and said, you should come and apply for my job. And I went, okay. So I met the consul general who is the boss of a consulate. Um, It's the highest authority of that consulate. And he loved me and I loved him. He was the sweetest, kindest, most emotionally generous man. I sat at that interview and I would talk, 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 and I would tell him all about my acting and all the stuff that I know, and I'm very animated. And he smiled and smiled and smiled and didn't know what I was talking about. And then he would talk, 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 talk in Japanese and be very serious and explain things to me. And I smiled and smiled and smiled and I had no idea what he was talking about. And he hired me. (laughs) And I did not think that was weird. I thought that was actually very normal. So you know, I'm the receptionist. So the first person anyone from Japan or from America sees or talks to at that consulate is me. So people would call from Japan and they would say, oh, mushy, mushy. <laughs> and I would frantically not want to scare them and let them know that I had no idea that I was talking about. So I would go, oh, please hold, please hold, please hold, please hold, please hold. Like, because <laughs> I, I didn't want them to, to like hang up because they were calling from Japan. And it always, my whole day was a huge pile of stress, freakouts about trying not to scare people from Japan away from talking to the consulate. But again, I'm telling you, that seemed perfectly normal to me that I was completely unqualified for a job that I was doing. (laughs) It wasn't until a little later, you guys, that I realized I was hired for a little more mystical reason. So here I am. I've worked all day. I left my office at the same time every day. Now, this is a government institution. There is no overtime. There's none of that. But in this particular day, I'd had a very bad day, and I stayed a lot longer to kind of decompress and talk to a friend in the consulate about the events of the day. So I left my office probably about 45 minutes later than I ever had in the whole year I'd worked there. I get to the elevator. Ding! Step on the elevator. It's just me. I'm like, oh, thank God. It's just me. I'm going to go down. And then all of a sudden, we get two floors down. Ding! The elevator doors open. And in steps this guy. And he is like 6,000 feet tall. And he is the cutest guy I have ever seen in my life. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, that guy is so cute. And he proceeds to squeeze himself into the corner of the elevator because he's so shy. He's got on these really cool brown cowboy boots, a green suede jacket, and long curly hair. He almost looked a little bit like a rock star. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I can't breathe all of a sudden. And then 
you know, we played the elevator game. How, you know, everybody in the elevator is not there and anything in the elevator is actually way more interesting. So the buttons, I'm looking at the buttons. Oh, look, we're all going down to the bottom floor. Me and this really cute guy. Oh, look, there's a ceiling in the elevator. How fascinating. Oh, look, a carpet on the floor. La, 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 la. Look up at the guy, smile. <laughs> he smiles. <laughs> oh my God. We get to the bottom floor. Ding! The doors open. We go out, go separate ways. I'm tripping down my stairs, like 15 flights of stairs, out the door, down around the corner, outside, that back inside, and down to the subway station. And who is standing at the subway stop but that guy? And I was like, oh. That's a little weird because there are actually two ways to get to the subway. And I always went the outside way. And I said to him, oh, <laughs> I always wondered which way was faster. And he went, oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we both get on the same subway car and stand there and do that little <laughs> smile, smile, smile. <laughs> and he says, oh, uh, you know, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm, I'm going to pick up cat food because <clears throat> if you don't know by now, everything I do has something to do with cats. So <laughs> I'm going to go pick up cat food for my cats. Why? What are you doing? He said, oh, I'm going to go to this uh, game at Wrigley Field to watch the Cubs play. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. Okay, first of all, I don't even know what the Cubs are. <laughs> I was pretty sure that Wrigley Field was a baseball place. But again, not really paying too much attention. So um we get to our stop and the doors open and I say, oh, well, hey, have a good time at your baseball game. And he says, oh, yeah, yeah, you too have a good time with your cats. And I'm like, okay, bye. And I turn to go to my next um, transaction, which is a subway that's going in the opposite direction of where he's going. And he goes in his way. And I take two steps towards my next subway and I hear, follow him. That big, huge, booming voice that vibrated my entire body at Cabrini Green is now vibrating my entire body and telling me to follow this guy. Okay, so I know I have to listen to this voice because this voice has not failed me so far. But here's the thing. <laughs> He's 6,000 feet tall. And I'm not. I'm very, very short. So for every one step that he takes, I have to take like 50,000 runs to catch up to him. And I see that he is almost on his subway and the doors are starting to close. So I'm booking across the subway station. And I jump on right behind him just as the doors are about to close and they close Boom! And I'm going, <sighs> and he turns around and I go, oh, hi. <laughs> oh, God, look at that. So weird that we're on the same subway again. And he's like, that is weird. And just as I'm about to ask him questions, because you realize I do not know why I'm supposed to follow this guy. I just know that I'm supposed to do it. I'm just about to start and some guy out of nowhere walks up to him and starts talking to him about baseball. He's like, ah, dude, you know, what'd you think about that game? Yeah, yeah, you know, one where the guy was over here and he does the stop and the ksh, and then he was like, wow, and then we were all like, ah, and then I spilled my beer and that was just, ah. and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and he's smiling at the guy and smiling at me, 
and smiling at the guy. And meanwhile, the subway stops are going. And I'm realizing that I'm heading further and further and further into the city where I don't know how to get home from. And that makes me feel a little panicked because, as I said before, I'm not super great with directions. And I think, okay, I can maybe wait one more stop before I have to get off this train. And then it comes. Ding! And I have to get off. And I go, oh, it was nice to see you again. Have fun on your, on your game. And he's like, oh, bye. I walk off that train and I'm like, oh. I am so annoyed. I have no idea why I'm supposed to follow that guy. I don't know anything about him. I don't know his name. I don't know where he works. <sighs> and I stew about it all weekend. Stew about it. Talk about it with my roommates. I can't believe. I don't, and I don't know what it is. <laughs> and Sunday night, I have a dream. And in the dream, I'm talking to this guy. And I wake up Monday morning and I go, okay, I know I'm going to talk to this guy at some point because I had a dream about it. And it might even be today. And as a matter of fact, it's going to be today. So I dressed in my cutest clothes ever. I went to work and I spent <laughs> all day riding up and down the elevator <laughs> trying to find this guy. <laughs> and I missed my lunch hour because I was running errands for anybody who needed anything. And I realized, oh no, I'm, I'm not going to be able to eat today. So I run down to the cafeteria right before they close. I'm just about to get into line and there he is walking across the hallway and I see him <gasps> and I'm like oh hi hi oh oh hi do you remember me now first of all you guys have to know that this was like a serious quiet building and I had to go through a bank to get to the cafeteria and I'm screaming at him through this bank area and he doesn't even see me he almost steps on me as he's walking by me and then goes oh and I was like oh oh hi oh oh hi remember me from the from the subway and he was like yeah I do remember you and I said oh what's your name and he said oh my name is Jeff what's your name and I said oh it's Kristen and and do you eat at this at, at this time every day and he said uh yeah I do do you and I and I, I said no I never eat at this time of day I, I'm actually late and I want to grab myself something now so it's great to see you all right bye okay so guys I'm telling you I got all the information I need I know his name and I know he eats lunch at this time. And so for the next two weeks, I changed my lunch hour. And I went down into the cafeteria and accidentally bumped into him with my tray every day for two weeks. Finally, he came upstairs and he asked me out to lunch. And um, we have been married now for 25 years. So I know that that voice was sent me to Boston and got me hired at the Japanese consulate so that I could meet Jeff, the love of my life. And I tell you guys these stories because your inner voice wants you to hear it. Your inner voice loves you, wants you happy, wants you to see a bigger picture other than the one your ego is telling you is real. Because there's a lot more out there, you guys, than what you can see with your eyes and understand with your ego. And if you open yourself up to a bigger, more divine picture, there 
in that place is where you find your bliss. And that's not to say that life is easy all the time. And that's not to say that there won't be disappointments and that you won't be scared or go back to a feeling that you thought you were done with. But what you will learn to do is open yourself up to that voice that sees the bigger picture and it loves you. So listen up, folks. It's all out there for you. And it's only up to you. I love you. We hope that you found this episode of GDK inspiring. And to raise your vibration even higher, visit my website at goodvibrationswithkristin.com. And don't forget to like Good Vibrations with Kristen on Facebook. What inspires you? Write us, let us know, so we can share your ideas on the show. And meanwhile, keep listening, keep connecting, and know that you are divinely guided. 